0: I always think back about the creation story and this is this is the only way I know how to put it but um you know when Adam and Eve hid God already knew like asked the question he asked where are you guys but he knew they were hiding because they were afraid they were ashamed and that's exactly what I was doing I was I knew I was in sin and I knew um that my sin was causing these consequences and consequences and these decisions that I was making were just, just kept on digging me into a deeper hole I'm like how would I ever get out of this so I was so ashamed to tell my family that
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Positively Joy, a podcast on searching for the light in all seasons of life around us. We look for God in the everyday and choose joy even in the hard times. I'm your host, Yvette Walker, and I'd love for you to become a part of our online podcast family and join our Positively Joy community on Facebook. Visit PositivelyJoy.com for previous episodes and to check out our cool merch, And listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you go for podcasts. We drop episodes Monday and Thursday. You might have said, why me, Lord? Or why my family? Sometimes things happen. And today we're going to talk to Rosalie Janau, who has quite a testimony to tell about domestic violence and how she's turned that around and is a beacon a source of help for other people that may have gone through or are going through things that she has gone through before and she deals with great subjects on her podcast the good news podcast so let's jump right into it here's rosalie rose hi how are you
0: hi Yvette. happy to be here
1: I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much for being on the show. My pleasure. Uh, Yeah, I think you have a really uh, fascinating and powerful story to tell. And I want to jump right into it. So for everyone, uh, Rosalie Janelle is a podcast host. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's a spiritual coach. And she started her podcast in October, um, about a year after a traumatic attack on her life. And we're going to get into that. Mm hmm and in her podcast is about testimonies and walks and faith, And so we're going to get into all of that. Yes. Uh, but first of all, I want the audience to know a little bit more about you. So, so tell me a little bit about what you do and who you are.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, first again, thank you for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. Um, and just to share a little bit more about my story, Um uh, my story is really used to glorify God and that's my favorite thing to talk about. So I'm happy. <laughs> yes. Amen. I'm happy to be here. Um, so as you said, I um I mean I, I have a host of different kind of roles in my life, but by day I'm an operations supervisor. I work in the emergency service industry and um by night I'm a podcast host and I Um, like you mentioned, my podcast is regarding testimonials of how people came to Christ or really powerful moments, um, in their walk, in anyone's walk with God, which I think, you know, if you're a believer, everybody has a testimony. So it's like, what a perfect like podcast to have. I get to just talk to everybody about different kinds of stories and it's just amazing, um, I also am a spiritual coach with Jesus Cares. And what that is, is an online platform that um, I get to chat with people who are who may be struggling in their faith or may not even be um, a believer or know Jesus yet. So I get to coach people on kind of how point them to to Jesus, which is just the best thing in my life.
1: That is so awesome. So, first of all, I love the name of your podcast, The Good News Podcast, which it, it very much is. Uh, and, and I think that we agree on on some areas. I I happen to serve in my church in the capacity where when people give their lives to Christ, mm-hmm. they come to my mm-hmm. desk. And that is yep. so awesome to be kind of the touch point for when people make that decision. And we pray and they can and they get a book and a Bible and, you know, other things. And so I know yep. what you mean by um, that. That's just that's just really amazing. It makes you it's feel very good. rewarding
0: for sure. Yeah. And this platform is so unique. I mean, we can get into it later, but it's so unique because it's online. And so, you know, you don't, you get to reach people who you otherwise really wouldn't reach if, you know, at Starbucks, because these people are in a plat on across the world. Some of them, some of them are across the nation, depends on where, um, they're chatting from. But it's just nice because you talk to people from all kinds of walks of life
1: awesome and we are going to get into that definitely (laughs) yes okay so your podcast uh features testimonies and walks in faith and I know you ask uh often you ask your guests uh, how long they've been a believer and what their walk in faith Mm -hmm. looks like and so I'd like to ask you how long have you been a believer and what does that look like and what did that look like
0: yeah. Um, oh man. Well, this is not a simple question for me um, because I got saved in 2015. Like I started, like I recognized who Jesus was and I recognized that I was a sinful human being and I needed not need saving. Um, but it took me some time to really kind of to transform and really know what that meant. Um, and so I would say, you know, I got um, I surrendered my life to Christ in November of 2019. And there, from that time frame in between, fe- uh, June of 15 to uh, November of 19, there was just so much that happened <laughs> in my life, um, that contributed to ultimately I was like, I can't do this by myself. I need to do this with Jesus. Um, and, what it looks like is it looks like the most amazing thing in my life. Uh, I feel more at peace. I am just happy, um, and I just have a purpose now, which is something that I didn't feel like I had before.
1: Awesome. Well, you are beaming, and I don't know if people tell <laughs> you that, <laughs> but thank you. Yeah, no, thank definitely. You. When, when you are talking about uh, that walk, while while you had difficulties for sure, um, I can you know you are just smiling, and, and I can just see that radiating out of you.
0: Yes. Thank you. Thank
1: so you. part of that story does have to do with your surviving domestic violence.
0: That's correct. That's uh, correct.
1: That is, and, and unfortunately, that is not an uncommon story that women, ha- that a lot of women have. Um,
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So if you can tell us a little a bit about that and how your faith got you through it. And, and then and then mm-hmm. a year later, you started the podcast so i'm I'm just kind of imagining in my head what that year might have looked like, and I'd like to ask you to maybe describe that
0: Oh, whew, this is a loaded question, but um why don't we start like a couple of years back when I was in that relationship, um probably like circus two thousand and seventeen uh I was young. I was 22 and I was not making the best of choices in relationships. And um, as I said, I was saved and I was going to church, but I didn't really, I didn't really believe like, oh, I needed to follow the rules or, you know, I kind of blindly, just blindly went to church and didn't really um, learn anything, I would say, or apply anything because I learned a lot. <laughs> I just didn't apply it. Um, and so I started dating this man who, you know, on the outside, everything looked fine. Um, He was also a believer. So it was very easy in the beginning, very easy going. And then, I mean, this is such a long story, so I'm going to kind of jump in big progressions, but one thing led to another and we moved in together. Um, And That was probably the beginning of kind of the turmoil in our relationship because, I mean, A, as a believer, we weren't even supposed to be moving in together before marriage. I mean, not supposed to be, but it's just like it wasn't definitely not kosher for what we needed at the time, both individually as um, for our spiritual lives. Like we were not in good places. um, And of course, we weren't even like striving for marriage. So um, I would say individually, like for myself, I, I certainly had no business moving in with a man at 22 years old. Um, I was young. So, and uh, basically when the turmoil start, started at that time in my life, I had really low self-esteem because as I mentioned, I didn't really have a strong faith. I didn't know where my identity came from. I had still um, these ideas of uh, or belief of who I was and it wasn't a really great version of myself. I thought that I, I didn't have a purpose. I felt Um, lost for a lack of better words. So I allowed the turmoil to continue because I thought that's what I deserved, um, at the time, which was. You know, that's sad to say that's something that's one of the things that still makes me sad to this day, because like now knowing what I know about myself and about everyone is like we are children of God and he loves us so much. Um, And he wants the same love that he gives us from to for us to give that to each other. So here I was, you know, I was 22 and accepting this love. And at that, I didn't really Lean on my family. My family's great. I I grew up in a house with two other siblings and both my parents, and they're amazing, but I failed to reveal any of the situations that was happening in my household. Um, So, of course, I was.
1: Do you think that was a little bit because of fear, but also shame?
0: Oh, absolutely. It had a lot to do with shame because um, it's like when we're. um, I always think back about the creation story and this is exa- this is the only way I know how to put it but um, you know when Adam and Eve hid after they I was like that's exactly you know yes. God already knew like asked the question he asked where are you guys but he knew they were hiding because they were afraid they were ashamed and that's exactly what I was doing I was I knew I was in sin and I knew um, that my sin was causing these consequences and consequences and I, these decisions that I was making were just kept on digging me into a deeper hole I'm like how would I ever get out of this so I was so ashamed to tell my family that because up until that point, I mean, I had been a pretty upstanding kid. I I had I got myself into some kind of trouble growing up, but like, who doesn't? <laughs> but, uh, other, I mean, I, but otherwise I went to college. I, I did all the right things. Um, and then I come home and I, and I get into a relationship with the man who, um, they thought was great. Um, but I, you know, it was not like that behind closed doors. So, um, but anyways, so kind of back to the relationship and, uh, things progressed and there was, um, physical abuse every now and then. It wasn't, um, consistent. I know that there are, I've heard like horror stories of women that it's like daily. And that was not the experience for me. It was very subtle um, and it was um, not often, but it was more if, you know, I made him upset. So I was a very quiet, timid girl. I didn't have a lot of self-esteem. As I said, I wasn't confident. So I would try to not really make him upset, you know, and I would just kind of go about my day, uh, weeks, months, really. And then uh, one day... um, we got into an argument and I cannot remember what it was about, but he, I was so scared. And, um, after that moment, like he put his hands on me and, um, it was just him and I in the apartment. So we actually ended up having a third roommate too. Um, at at some point while we were living together and, um, he put his hands on me and I thought my roommate was the other roommate was there. So I went to yell for help. And like, I, then I realized that, uh, no one was there. So to get back to your question about, you know, how was I dealing with my faith? After that point, I felt so abandoned by God I, because I was like, I'm here in this situation. I don't even have anyone to reach out to. I felt so lost. I felt like I, because I wasn't telling my family, I felt like I couldn't tell them. I felt like I was, you know, so, so ashamed. And so, um, that was probably like into early 2018, And I, like I said, I, I felt abandoned. So I actually stopped going to church, um, for about five months in 2018. And those five months were the worst five months of my life. That's when everything took a, a, A worse turn. My relationship progressively got worse. Um, And Did you feel that the enemy was just invading your life? Absolutely. He was having a field day because I no longer was turning to God. I wasn't, you know, the only thing that I had. And even even if my turning to God was at a superficial level, like at least I knew like God was there protecting me, you know. Um, But once I started to kind of feel like he was no longer there, the enemy definitely took a, you know, had a field day. My thoughts were invaded. I felt like, you know, I I wasn't gonna get out of this. Um, and it wasn't until uh, about a month before the the final attack on my life that I was um, I I started to seek other ways to to like cope. And so I actually became unfaithful to this man. And I, I, I was seeing another guy um, who was a nice guy um, and, pro- and was trying to get me out of the situation. Honestly, he was trying to be helpful, but he wasn't that helpful um, because I had no business, you know, entertaining another relationship at that point in time. There was so much going on. And so my partner at the time found out about it um and so uh he didn't say anything at first um but instead we went to a party uh we went to a a, like a local it must have been a uh, was it a party i don't think it was a party i think it was like a club we went out for drinks that was another thing the time i was drinking heavily um yeah another coping
1: mechanism yeah
0: so not only was i you know trying to, like, I kept on trying to find my value in, in men. I was also like trying to drown out all the consequences of my decisions with the alcohol. Um, and that was scarier because alcohol has a lot of physical effects that we don't, you know, really understand until you've drank too, way too much. Um, and every single time I drink way too much, I just felt horrible. I felt miserable. There was nothing about it that was making it better. You know, uh, at the time, you think that it is, but it's really not. Um, this particular night, I must have drank so much. And um, he, we we both did, honestly. He wasn't as big of a drinker as I was, but he did. And, and we drank a lot that night. And then we went back home. Um, and let me backtrack a little bit. In that um, time frame when um, in about, June of 18, when he um, hit me and it was very scary. I had taken legal action and left him. Uh, But the strongholds, the strongholds were there. So I I dropped all the legal action and I came back and less than two months later. Um, So here we are now in November, um, you know, uh, maybe we had like a good run of like maybe 40 days where like there was no kind of turmoil, no trauma, no drama and no uh, abuse. But there was, there was slight abuse. There was manipulation. There was like, he wouldn't let me go anywhere without him. Um It was it was quite scary for, because it, like, I saw the increasingly, um, the, it, the behaviors increasingly getting worse and worse and worse, but because I was so far from God and I was so far from what I thought I deserved and what I, what I thought was good. I wasn't able to discern that. Um, so back to that night in November, uh, we went out and this is the night that he found out that I was being unfaithful and, um, when we got back to his place, um, because at that point I had already left his house, the uh, the apartment that we lived in because of the previous incident. Um, but still, at that time, my family didn't really understand what was going on. They thought we were just going through a rough patch. So I was in between. I was going back from my sister's house to his house constantly, and she just kind of knew that like I was in between both of the places, but didn't really know what's going on. Um, ultimately, that night when we got back home, he tried to kill me. Um, he did everything in his power to kill me. He tried to strangle me. Um, he made sure that I didn't have access to my phone. Uh, and when he realized that, you know, I woke up out of the um, out of I kind of lost consciousness. And I woke up when he realized that he ran downstairs um, to outside of the apartment building to get my phone so that he can destroy it. Um, and because his, his main purpose was that he didn't want me to contact the authorities or anything. Um, and so, because he, he had just tried to kill me. And um, I ran after him. I went downstairs and there were his neighbors outside. And that was the only reason why I escaped. Um, but I ran, I ran out of the apartment um, with no clothes on. I had, you know, because he had attacked me at a moment that I was vulnerable. I was I was already in bed and it was just horrifying. Um, I the neighbors got him to deescalate and we were able to call the police. Um, But when the police got there, uh, he told them that I tried to attack him. So it was just. A really like, you know, the whole physical experience was very traumatic. But then what happened after was because I was, I was looking at the person who tried to kill me just now and saying that he was the one being attacked and, um and potentially the officers not arresting him. And I was fearful. So I called my sister. I didn't even want to get on the ambulance. Um I called my sister and I wouldn't let them take me because I was like I don't know if they're gonna take me at the same to the same place he's gonna go I, I I wasn't sure what was happening like the officers were not being very um telling they weren't they weren't really helpful and so when I when my sister got there finally I was I had like barely any clothes on like when the police officers came I had like whatever I had to go on to to the club so <laughs> you could only imagine it was very little clothes <laughs> At the time, I wasn't dressing very modest, so I had very little clothes on, and, um, but all you could see is like the blood and the bruises, um, and my hair just in a mess, and my sister is like, no, you need to go to the hospital. Like You're not seeing yourself the way I'm seeing you. You need to go to the hospital. Um, but
1: You know what? Hold on for a second. Sure. That, that's a very interesting comment from your sister. Um, I'm very close to my sister, and it sounds like you are too, mm-hmm. and she says you're not seeing yourself like I'm seeing you Mm -hmm. that. And, and, and so now I'm thinking about you having made some of the decisions. No. And by the way, no one can judge. No one can judge. Yeah. Um, But you know, you, you filed legal action and then you took that legal action away. Maybe not being able to see exactly what maybe other people could have seen if they were able to, to be an
0: onlooker absolutely absolutely I agree and and that is the moment that I realized that I should have counted on my sister and my family a lot more than I actually did um because not a moment passed after that where they weren't around and I still get choked up because their support is so just so amazing um I mean, they were there through court. They were there, well, obviously at the hospital first that night and then through every single court proceeding. Um, And then ultimately when he was released from jail, they were there when I got the news. So, you know, they their support was so amazing that I don't understand. You know, the only thing that could really trap you in that type of secrecy is shame you know that sin that is just so you're so ashamed and and that guilt of like you know you you did wrong um because i had a lot of guilt I, even though i know i was the victim in that situation i had guilt because i had been doing things that wasn't um that weren't good morally, like I was cheating on my ex. And so there was a lot of guilt of, about the decisions that I was making. Um, you know, when you, when you think you're a bad person, you think you deserve bad things. And that's how I felt about myself at that point.
1: Mm, wow. Yeah. Wow. Now you said, let me, let me go back a little bit. You said mm-hmm. that, hold on i'm just so caught up in what you just said no it's okay okay. yeah 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 okay well it's tough yeah yeah, it is it really is and i'm just so happy that you're here okay well Mm -hmm. first of all let's find out so what happened and where is he and you're safe now yes
0: i'm absolutely safe now um i mean he is no longer in jail um so you know but he lives in a different state i live in new jersey now. there's still legal, um, ramifications. If he comes near me, he can go back to prison. Um, he has a felony. The, the, the judge was very just, I should say for, for the attack that he, you know, um, that he did on my life. So, um, I'm, I'm much better now. <laughs> I did therapy. I, I came, you know, after that obviously comes my story of walking, um, through all of the healing that comes after a traumatic attack like that, um, and it wasn't easy. So, um, I guess you do. You want me to jump into that? Well,
1: actually, so so let me go back to what I was about to say. Before I, yeah, got, sure. I got a little choked up there, um, <clears throat> your you said that you felt like God wasn't there for you; that there was no <laughs> one for you to cry out to. Um, in particular, the the time when he had his hands on you, and you thought your roommate was there, and roommate was not there. And you just felt Mm -hmm. like it was empty and nobody was there. Yes. Do you believe, like now, do you believe that God was there with you?
0: Wholeheartedly, because uh, that incident, I mean, I I didn't even go into every single detail, but that incident was probably um, the second to violence incident before he tried to kill me. Um, And I say that because he actually had a weapon that time. Um, He had a knife and... Whatever. I I don't even remember the de-escalation from that, but it was it was de-escalated. Eventually he did not, you know, he did not um, harm me with a weapon. Um, So I absolutely think that that was God's love and protection for sure.
1: Wow. Okay. Um, so a year goes by um, and I'm so happy that you had your family there and something compelled you, I imagine, to start the podcast or, or at least. Wanting to, as you say, draw people nearer to Christ through encouragement and inspiration. Mm -hmm. So what happened that made you say, I I feel like God's telling me to do something. So what, what was that like?
0: Sure. I'll actually go back. Um, a, so a year post the attack on my life, um, was when I actually, I, I, I became baptized. Mm. Um, so it's been two years. It was, I started the podcast two years after my attack and then, but one year after I decided to get baptized and dedicate my life to Christ. Um, so that first year in between, um, the attack and when I got, uh, baptized was um, very, like, it was bad. You know, the, the, you were, t- I was trying to heal. Um, but at the same time, I was trying to understand my feelings about why I felt abandoned by God, because I knew better, you know, and as I start, as the months started to progress and started to get closer, um, I mean, or um, um, farther away from the incident, I was able to see clearer. Um, and it wasn't an easy feat. I had to still, I, I started to go back to church. Um, and in some sense, I had to kind of make myself just go to church and make myself have those conversations with God. And then one thing led to another. He to, he led me to go seek a therapist. And I did. The therapist helped me um, overcome um, through a therapy called EMDR, all of the trauma side effects that came with it. I had a lot of PTSD. So that first year, um, the first half of that year was healing. The second half of that year was, um, finding my purpose at, with, from what happened to me. And ultimately it was God trying to shake me up. He said, I've given you so many chances. This yeah. is, you know, you just faced death. Give your life to me. And I did. I didn't even question it.
1: He he will definitely do that.
0: Yeah. (laughs) He will take
1: you up. Yeah.
0: And I, and like, I'll, I'll tell you, I don't see, I don't say that it was, he didn't do that to me. You know, I don't, I will never blame God for what happened, but he allowed it to happen. He knew that I was going to continue to make those choices had not something like that happened to me. So, um, I like totally, you know, and then after I realized, I was like, okay, so he shook me up. Why? And it was to so I can give him glory because look at where I am now. So um, then I, I got baptized in November of um, 2019. And just a year later, just a couple months ago, I started the podcast. And so that year after I got baptized was filled with um, search, not searching, uh, but just really learning who I am in Christ, my identity in Christ and learning that I'm here to serve and to further his kingdom. And so I just wanted to be a productive member of his kingdom. That's that's really why I started the Good News Podcast. Um, there was one particular day that he told me in prayer, it's time. And I was like, what is he talking about? (laughs) And this was like in September of 2020. And I'm like, what is he talking about? What is he talking about as far as his time? Because I'm like, I don't, you know, I'm not anywhere near making any big leaps in my life right now. Um, I just moved to New Jersey, uh, seven months ago. So I was like, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing anything crazy now. God, I just got to New Jersey. (laughs) 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 And so he said, it's time to share your story. And I was like, I was terrified because I didn't want to talk about what happened to me. I didn't want to like go public with it. There were still people in my own family who didn't know what happened.
1: Wow. Yeah. Well, wow. and, and here you are in a new place and you don't want to tell the new friends that you're making. Hey, by the way, I've got this testimony. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he wanted you to do.
0: Yeah. that. Yeah. And so and so I did. I started getting comfortable by just telling people first. Um, I told my family I have a lot. I have nine nieces and nephews um, and most of them are teens into the early adults. So I, you know, I told them because they didn't know. Um, and I thought that it would be good for them to hear it from me first before I just, hey, I'm starting a podcast and I'm going to talk about my story. Um, and so, yeah, so I started to do that. And then I did I, I um, one day in prayer, I was like, all right, now what? So this is the funny part, because I'm a writer and the Lord placed the book on my heart like three years ago. Um, and I haven't written it yet. <laughs> <laughs> so. I'm like, all right, somebody something's got to give. God, you want this book? You want me to keep telling the story? I don't know what to do. Um, and he told me to go out and and share other people's stories. He's like, the most important thing for you to do right now is going to be to share other people's stories because you're going to win souls with your voice. You're gonna you're gonna um, lead believers who are backsliding or lukewarm into a place of growth. And I I couldn't even believe when he spoke that word over my life because I never thought I was capable. Um, but here I am. So,
1: wow, that is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. So beautiful. So you so you 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 listened to him and you and you, you know, went in agreement with him. Mm-hmm. Started the podcast, but you're also, and we talked about this at the very beginning. I want to get back to it now. You're also a certified emotional, um, and I'm sorry, I'm moving this out of the way from my computer. Oh, it's okay. uh, An emotional uh, first aid provider. And so what does that mean? And how do you become a certified emotional first aid provider?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I worked with this organization called Trauma Intervention Program. And what they um, are in place to do is to assist um, people in need at the time of a crisis so it could be your house is burning down um, anything that's kind of sudden a sudden death in the family um, trying to think of other uh, a fatal car accident uh, any kind of thing that's kind of sudden and, and a crisis um, so we In that organization, you become a vol, it's a volunteer program. Um, and the program certifies you to provide that first aid because we're not really emergency responders in the sense that we can be. Um, medical providers or or go fight fires, but we can be there to support the victim. Um, And so you get a a certain skill set when doing that. And uh, the training comes with that certification. Um, So that's how I got about doing it. And so, you know, you get dispatched to so many different kinds of settings. I've I've been to hospitals at the time of someone just about to pass away from cardiac arrest or um, I've been... Uh, on the scene at a motor vehicle accident, you know, when someone, a passenger lost the driver or vice versa. Um, and it's just really t- to be able to support them emotionally. A lot of times people deal with crisis in different ways. And so we learn different tactics to de-escalate the situation or to move them forward. Sometimes some victims, they freeze um, and But, you know, a lot is required of them during that um, point. So it's just, it, it is what it, it's called, emotional first aid. It's, it's emotional um, support enabled um, to uh, assist the victim.
1: And did you receive that when you went to the hospital that time?
0: I didn't. And that's what drove me to seek that certification because my experience with first law enforcement Then the hospital and ultimately the court system as a domestic violence victim was horrifying. I was like, I couldn't I didn't even have words. Um, It's a second traumatization on top of what you're already experiencing if you don't have the proper people in place. And so I was encouraged by a friend to do that organization because she knew of them. And unfortunately, they just didn't have someone to dispatch that, because I I sought the answer, um, but they didn't have someone to dispatch the night that I um, went to the ER.
1: Wow, wow. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm not saying that God did things to make you suffer so that your outcome ultimately would become more glorious and in turn, give him the glory but the fact that you knew such a thing existed but they didn't have the resources that night now makes you say I want to be that resource mm-hmm,
0: absolutely for
1: for the woman that I was at that time mm-hmm. you don't want another woman to be in that in that position mm-hmm. that's that's and and he and he knows he knows everything that's going to happen he foresaw that yes for sure and and when people ask the question why do bad things happen to good people you know, I don't have the answer and, and it's it's such a hard answer, but we always just have to say trust in God. Absolutely. That, that's, all, that's all we as humans can do.
0: Some things we'll never know why they come to pass. And, and yeah. I've learned that it's the best answer to that is that we just have to trust that the Lord has a bigger plan than what we can even comprehend. That is a good one. Mm-hmm. Cause we know that that's what his word says.
1: So if someone is, is, if you are helping someone in that in that situation, um, how are you able to determine that it's the time to either bring God into the equation or into your conversation or to or to help them uh seek their faith in that moment? like how do you know when it's a good time to do that?
0: Um, so I always encountered this issue when I got dispatched for any crisis um so particular to domestic violence. Um, I would say immediately is not the time because, um, most likely the victim is in still in fear. Um, and hearing that God is there, you know, something that's not tangible is not exactly the best, um, thing for, for most victims. Now, if you have somebody who's pretty strong in their faith, you can bring that to them. But if they don't really know God like that, then, um, it, it would be like, you showing them God's love through you and support through you, um, rather than, you know, having that conversation. A lot of the times when I got dispatched out for death, that was a really natural conversation to have, um, for if somebody was about to pass or somebody did pass, because most people believe in a something after, you know, um, we die. So, <clears throat> but in the, in a, in a crisis situation such as this it, it it would not be the first thing that i would talk about
1: mhm uh yeah i completely understand mm-hmm. when do you use your spiritual coaching to point non believers to christ
0: yeah so oh, i do it um i mean they try to do it all the time by my life, right? But on an official level, I do it a couple times a week on an organization um, on a platform called Jesus Cares, and it's online. And basically, um, chatters can come on anonymously and, and talk about whatever topics they feel you know, is on their heart. A lot of people come there. Um, a lot of people who are lonely come on. Um, so that's why I do it on that official capacity on on that organization. But I also do um, spiritual coaching throughout the week with just about anyone in my life who I think, you know, can benefit from it. And a lot of the times it's literally just a how are you doing? Or how can I pray for you com- kind of conversation? Um, and then that opens the door to like, well, I'm struggling with X, Y, and Z. And then I can be like, well, you know, this is what Jesus says about this or this is how Jesus modeled this for us. And so I think this is a pretty good idea for you, both of us to do.
1: And I think that's awesome. I think the organization, uh, the online coaching is really, is, is quite exceptional as well. If someone wants to get involved in that, where can they go?
0: So if they want to get involved as a volunteer, they can go to groundwire.net. And like I said, it's a huge organization and it's, um, you know, we have people from all around the world. Um, And if you want to chat um, with a coach, you can go to jesuscares.com.
1: Excellent. And where can they find your podcast?
0: Absolutely. Well, I'm um, available on a lot of major platforms, Apple, Spotify. But the best way to just find me is um, to on my website, www.thegoodnewspodcast.org.
1: So, Rose, you had really a traumatic experience, but you've come out uh, in such a magnificent way and being able to give God the glory. Um, I've really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you so Thank much you. for For being here and for everything that you do through Jesus Cares uh, and your podcast and just, you know, exploring other people's testimonies of their walk Mm -hmm. uh, in faith and their walk with Christ. So, um, as I said in the beginning, this just shines off your face. Thank you. You you radiate with it and you're a beautiful woman and thank Thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you for having me and thank you for what you're doing here too. This is amazing.
1: You've been listening to Positively Joy. I'm your host, Yvette Walker, and thank you so much for spending some time with us. Come on over to our website, PositivelyJoy.com. You can listen to past episodes. You can download a free teachable called Five Ways to Choose Joy. See our merchandise, cool t-shirts with our new logo. We've got a lot going on at PositivelyJoy.com. So we hope to see you there. Farewell for now.